I'm Jimmy Malone. I'm Stuart Randolph. I'm Ben Snowden. And this is Movie Show Theater. In a world where movies are everywhere, these heroes will make sense of some of the world's strongest films. Jimmy, Ben, and Stuart. This is Movie Show Theater. Everybody who came out to the midnight matinee, we're gonna do it again, and next time we're gonna leave the movie suggestions to you. So tonight was Stu's night. So woot woot, I'll hand it over to Stu. Dogma, Kevin Smith. I don't think we've been, we've not really done a Kevin Smith, have no, we? No, we haven't. No, which we is haven't pretty surprising Smith. considering is, how yeah. big his his movies have been, especially throughout the. 90s. Well, you know, Clerk, Small Rats, Chasing Amy. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, all of those were really kind of cult classics. But Dogma, Dogma, and this is another shout out to my buddy Tim. All right. Tim said, hey, you need to do Dogma. And I'm like, oh, yeah, you're absolutely right. We need to do Dogma. Dogma is one of those films where you watch it the first time and you're like, what did I just watch? And then you watch it again and you realize this is a this is a wonderful absolutely telling film about modern religion i mean it's 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 whimsical it's it's funny it's got a lot of goofy stuff in it but let's just be honest there are a lot of people out there who are struggling with faith they're just struggling with faith and and it's not necessarily a non-belief in a deity or a non-belief in a greater power or whatever but it's 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 a struggling with religion and faith and and in this case this movie really encapsulates all of that and brings it together in a film that's very approachable for everybody I think I mean I know there were a lot of there were tons tons of Catholics who are highly offended by this film when it first came out. But I'll be honest with you. If you are a Catholic with a sense of humor, you got to approach this and, and look at it for what it is. It's it's the struggle that every Catholic that I have ever known, and I was raised Catholic, and I'll be honest, I right now I'm non-religious in any way, shape, or form. I'm not, I, I, I have no spiritual belief system that I follow. You could call it atheist, if you will, but I think even that's kind of a... that's a, that, that, that particular term just carries such a negativity in our culture. But let's be honest. This particular film makes you think twice about what it is to be... to have faith in something. It makes you think twice about what it what it means to believe even in the smallest things. And I think that's where Kevin Smith really hit a home run with this one. And it's funny to boot, and the actors and actresses are brilliant, in my opinion. Just absolutely brilliant. So Yeah. Well, no, even within the first few frames, they kind of nail what a lot of um, modern organized religion is trying to do with um and the having, bunny christ yeah the bunny the bunny christ bunny, with the whole bunny christ yeah though uh, one of the one of the pages that i follow on 
uh, Facebook is called Everything is Terrible, and they play some uh, early 90s religious videos about um, kids and pretty much how uh, mostly Christianity was trying to make Christianity look cool, and they're like these really lame rap videos about praying and vitamins and things. It's just like, well, that, that still goes on because as recently as a couple of years ago, I was going to a church that that's pretty much what it was, and... I think what this movie does really well is is focus on the things and some of the things in Bible that aren't really touched upon in a lot of modern churches. The stuff that people don't really want to talk about because it's so challenging, like Sodom and Gomorrah. Oh yeah, with Loki and Bartleby, and you know, judging um, done by some kind of holy representative. They kind of gloss that part over, and they're more like, hey, you know, it's more about forgiveness and love, which I can understand, you know, the the more New Testament-based stuff, but there's a lot of really dark stuff in the Old Testament that kind of gets pushed to the side, and I feel this movie kind of bridges the gap between the back towards the, the Dark Testament. Yeah, it, mm-hmm. it, yeah towards the, the Old Testament. And I, I, I thought that the 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 and i know that people are going to get upset with me for saying this but the mythology in this is so wonderful the loki, loki and bartleby and the just uh, <laughs> the just the the the, the metatron and all of those other things that you know, the alan rickman character is so wonderful he's such a snarky great voice of god in this case and and is just so wonderful and it's so much more approachable than than anything that i was ever presented with when i was a kid going through you know my ccd classes or anything like that well i feel like this was this is a very personal story that kevin smith wrote i guess before he even wrote clerks and he was pushing robert rodriguez to direct it and uh, he loved the script, but because of its obvious uh, personal overtones to Kevin Smith, he insisted he direct it. So, you know, I'm not—I uh, have no affiliation to the Catholic Church. I, I do have 15 years of Christian school experience, but you can't really make a movie like this unless you are well-versed in the subject matter. Which oh, absolutely. He, or it would all know, fall apart. Right. Oh, it yeah. most certainly is. So in making this movie, while I wasn't offended, I can understand why people would be. Um, but they kind of accidentally tell a very moral tale of somebody not necessarily uh, believing in God at the end, but finding her faith. You know, uh, Alan Rickman said it near the near the beginning. It's that it's not so important what you have faith in, but that you have faith. Exactly. Well, if you look yeah. at even if you go back to the Bible too, it kind of replicates the. I don't even want to say anti-hero because that wasn't a term so long ago. But no. if you look back at, you know, David, he's just some scrawny kid who conquers a giant. You know, uh, John the Baptist was just pretty much some guy wandering around. You take all these biblical figures and they all have some kind of fatal flaw. I mean, most of them are very, very imperfect. And that's what Beth or Bethany is. She's really um, imperfect. She's at a point in her life where, you know, she's been divorced. Um, she's barren. Um, and it seems like her husband has left her because of the fact she can't have children, and she's really fed up and cynical. Not just barren, but damaged. Yeah, because mm-hmm. of that. Because of that. And and I think that is that is truly telling, because somebody who's barren from birth, okay, great, great. You know, that, not great, forgive me for that, but, but that, that is your lot. Sorry, it happens. It's yours to bear. 
but she is damaged by what happened to her and and being damaged in this case leaves such a bitterness in her leaves such a an angst and anger in her that that is such a wonderful counterpart to the lightheartedness truly of the story she is such a telling character of what I think a lot of people were going through in this country right now, even though this was 1999, well over 10 years ago. And, and it, it was, it was told in a tongue in cheek kind of Kevin Smithy sort of way. Oh no. Oh no, 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 no. This is something that people go through every single day. It's questioning faith. It's questioning belief. It's questioning It's questioning who you are in the universe and why you are here. And and her character is so wonderful when she has that initial meeting with the Metatron and she's like, "Why me? Why am I the one?" And 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 I love it that he's just like, well, because you are, <laughs> you know, you really don't have a choice in this. You are the one who's going to do this. And <laughs> and to throw in Jay and Silent Bob as the prophets, <laughs> the two most ridiculous characters ever created for film ever created for Jay Muse, I'm sorry. He is one of those people who you you cannot you can't count on him to pour a glass of water and carry it to you. Mm-hmm. And Kevin Smith all along has always said this and he loves Jay like a brother. Those two are inseparable when it comes to the stuff that they've been through in their lives. But Kevin Smith knows that Jay is a leaky vessel. Jay is just so unreliable. Sometimes I, I, a lot of times, you know, it's obviously there, there are lines that he's supposed to say, but sometimes it's, you know, the blurring of him as a character and him as a person. I'm wondering myself, oh, I wonder awful. how much of this was improvised. Yeah, where does that act? Or how much of it is just, you know, uh, he walked on set and Kevin Smith said, okay, this is the loose scenario so what would you say in this scenario just say it and see what happens and and he does (laughs) and he does which is awesome and i I will say that the first day of rehearsal jay had every line of the entire script for him memorized and kevin smith pulled him aside beforehand and said listen alan rickman's gonna be on set bring your a game and uh he, he did no he did absolutely i mean and there's some heavy hitters in this I mean, Ben Affleck, I mean, he's going to – I really hope he doesn't screw up Batman. I, Fingers I don't crossed. think he will. I don't think he will because no. he, he, he's aware of the fact that for about two weeks the entire world mocked him when they, when the, when they posted that oh, sad Batman picture. Oh, no doubt. No doubt about it. And, and you know, but there's uh, – I mean, Linda Fiorentino, what happened to her? She was well, great. No. no, she's still around. She's still doing stuff. Not big stuff, but she's still doing stuff. And talk about gorgeous in this movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, oh, she's just stunning in this. She and was such a great choice as the every woman. She really was. She really was every woman in this case. And 
She's just snarky enough. She's just sarcastic enough to make you believe that everything that's happened to her is truly real. It's truly something that that happens every single day, and therefore, wow, how great is that? That she not only is an unwilling but quote-unquote willing participant in this, but she's going to go – she's going to follow it through to the end. You know, and and I think that in and of itself is such a wonderful character choice, such a wonderful character choice. But back to back to uh, Ben Affleck and Matt Damon as Loki and Bartleby. Now, Loki is obviously a a Norse god name and Loki more recently is more of a, you know, mischievous sort of. But it does have its roots in Christianity as well. and, And therefore, it's kind of one of those things that. You know, most people wouldn't... What, Loki, doesn't he have the horns? Where's Thor, right? I mean, all of that stuff. But no, he... he, And I love the explanation of why the two of them have been banished to Earth. Yeah. Alcohol, the cause of and solution, solution to, to all of life's problems. Even, even if you're an angel. Angels, yeah. yes. <laughs> that, that airport scene was really great, how they kind of... Uh, snuck so much exposition past us just these two people having a conversation uh it's like okay well i get all of your history and all of your history now and that poor nun (laughs) poor nun (laughs) but it was so great though there were so many scenes in this oh yeah perfect you know i mean it's like they just completely destroyed every lick of her faith in that conversation and you have to wonder what she did afterwards. I want to know what her story is after that conversation. That's a good thing about this film, too, because I found myself, and, and this isn't the first time that I've watched it, but uh, after viewing this movie the first and, and second times, I think I've seen it maybe four times, I, I kept going back on, you know, I I know this movie is over two hours long already, and it's, it's probably the, the right running time, but with each character, I almost wanted to see maybe a standalone film or like a, a derivative, just an offshoot, you know, I would be totally up for that. You know, what what does Rufus do when he's not falling to oh, earth geez, from the yeah, sky? Rufus. <laughs> Talk about Chris Rock as Rufus when he falls naked from the sky and lands on the ground and he he takes Silent Bob's coat and he was like, Yeah, I'll 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 tuck it back. I won't rub my junk up against your armor, dude. I thought that was one of the best lines. <laughs> I guess Will Smith was uh, originally cast to play that. But I don't think it would have worked with no, him. No, it wouldn't have worked with no. Will Smith. Well, there's so many characters in this movie where when their character's first revealed, your initial thought is, okay, this actor, this person is so far from what you would expect to see. And, I mean, that's a lot of it, that's part of the humor. But by the end, I mean, I hate to say it's believable, but it's believable. And the, and they do a really good job of portraying who they're supposed to be portraying. Okay, and here's the other thing. This is not just a Christian movie. This is not just a Catholic movie. This is not just a religious movie. This, The muses were purely out of Greek mythology. And she is a Greek mythological character. That serendipity, that's, that's Greek mythology. And I loved it. I thought it was wonderful. But I loved also the fact that... You human beings don't just forget. They incorporate the old into the new, and that's exactly what has happened in this case. The old has been incorporated into the new, and therefore that belief, that religion, that mythology has continued. 
and and she has been around longer than Christ in this case because she is not she's not a physical being she is a being of inspiration and where has inspiration come from all along well you could venture to guess that it came from a muse something that inspires something that drives towards a greater purpose the golgotha poo demon yeah the poo yeah. demon <laughs> the yeah, golgotha the... i actually had to look that up because uh i assumed that it had some literal uh reference and and it does it, it does it's place yeah. of skulls yeah it's it's well it comes directly from the 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 hill in which jesus was crushed. calgary hill yeah calgary from which jesus was crucified and and it's all of the excrement that every single of those prisoners who were crucified there supposedly it gathered and formed this awful, awful, awful demon, demonic creature that, well, is called forth to basically kill the you know the last scion mm-hmm. and I, I <laughs> sounds like I, the seed for a really great B movie. Yeah, like it if you, really if you took if yeah. you took that idea and just expanded it to a whole movie, I would probably at least laugh at it or with it, depending would, on the intentions of the director. I would and absolutely laugh at that. Yeah, I mean, ugh, this so is, many good things that go on in this. Oh yeah, this this is by far my favorite Kevin Smith film. I mean, I think Mallrats is funny. I I respect what Clerks stands for more than I actually enjoy watching Clerks. Oh, I agree. I mean, I've seen it. Oh a handful yeah, no, of times. I agree. Yeah. And, you know, we were talking about the religious aspects earlier, and even if you have no um, religious affiliation, you can appreciate this movie on, on several different levels, but when she's in the break room at the abortion clinic talking to Janine Garofalo, who was Hilarious. fantastic. <laughs> oh, and I guess uh, in the commentary for this movie, uh, Kevin Smith was talking about how difficult Linda Fiorentino was to work with. Um, really? And he said, in retrospect, I wish I would have given the role to Janine Garofalo. I'll be honest with you. I can't see Janine Garofalo pulling off. I, I mean, she's good I, I with the snarky. She's, she's good with the sarcasm. She's good with the comedy. But I can't see her pulling off the serious part. Like I really the, can't. Like the part where Beth is running toward the lake. You know, she's just found out that she's a descendant of Jesus. She's like screaming, why? I hate you. And then, you know. Right. Um, yeah, Metatron yeah. come in walking on water. With Janine Garofalo, the impact would have been— I think it would have been uh, lost. Very, very yeah. much less. No, no, would have been lost. Right. I like Janine more, but I, I agree. Janine Garofalo is— Well, she's a comedian. Right, right. So they had to get somebody who was humble that was—you uh, know, you, you remember her, but you can also lose track of her in a crowd. She's not— the, Oh, truly. You know, she's oh, not, yeah, no, the, she's not— She Linda Fiorentino is very beautiful, but you put her in a crowd— you and in your walking through the crowd, you'd go, oh, oh, and then walk by, and five minutes later, you'd be like, who, who, what, right? Who? She looks like yeah, about thirty other lot, people yeah, I know. Exactly, exactly. But having said that, that's what made her character in this instance such a wonderful choice. I think, yeah, in my opinion, that and she really does have a great relationship with the different characters in the story. Well, I love their whole reason for coming to Illinois to begin with. Oh, yeah, That was yeah, priceless yeah. Yeah, because, of John with, yeah, because of John so Hughes. Because of John Hughes, So this town yeah. doesn't exist, but... Uh, but that scene where they're in the break room, and she's kind of giving a, a brief rundown of how she lost her faith, and she said that, you know, she... Because my, my personal tale, I, this is the, the part of the film that I really liked, is when she's explaining that, you know, when you're a kid, you don't question the whole faith thing, which, uh, absolutely. And 
she just kept uh, praying and hoping. And, you know, one day her mom said, told her that God had a plan. And she thought that that was very selfish. And I don't know anybody else out there that's, that's had these thoughts. And I don't want to get too serious and heavy, but I've thought very similar things as well. And I think that, like, like we talked about, he, he made this movie. He makes fun of the Catholic Church. He makes fun of religion. But also, they paint a really good picture of such a classic portrayal of anybody who has any sort of religious affiliation. I mean, I don't think it's bad to question your faith. I think you should oh, no. question your faith. Yeah, I, you know, and the, and the beauty is this, is that I, and I was, put, I was set straight on this by, again, my friend Tim the other day. I, I truly believed at one point in time that Kevin, Str- Kevin Smith is an atheist. But no, he's not. He, he actually does have quite a bit of faith in a God. What he does not have faith in is an organized religion. Organized religion has a way of using faith in a way that is so twisted and sometimes very, very evil. And, and I, you know, I, I had to do some readjustments after I watched this again. And I was like, you know what? You're absolutely right. He's not, he's not bashing God. He's not bashing faith. He is bashing religion. And the very idea of uh, the buddy Christ, like you brought up earlier, Ben, to some kind of flashy marketing plan. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, of course, the golden calf, you know, movie, the golden calf, when that whole scene when Bartleby and Loki walk in and basically pronounce judgment on the entire CEO staff of of movie enterprises and i i found that to be so very telling because there's so many things that people idolize that go well beyond any sort of religious faith they're just you know you you glom onto it and you believe in it and you want it and and everything else and and I think that that whole scene was just so brilliantly done. And, and the fact of the matter that they called out every single person at the table. And when they got to the one person who was complete innocent, it, it was truly somebody who was completely innocent, you know. And, and I mean, I know that was kind of their job before they were thrown out of heaven. That was kind of their thing. They were supposed to find those that were non-believers. But this scene then sets Bartleby on a path that could destroy everything. And, and, and I think that's very telling as well because, you, you know, we, here we are. We put our faith in things that don't necessarily have any substance at all they have no substance and and he recognized that and he was like no there's got to be something that we can come back to and he has got to get back to that place where he is in good graces with with his god and how is how else is he going to do it he has to tear the whole thing down he has to bring it crashing down around his God's absolute head. And that can't happen because according to Christianity and, and, and of course to the Catholic faith, God is infallible. God is, is something that is not with, without, without mistake, without, you know, question, infallible. 
And yet, he in this instance makes us all question at that point, what are people believing in and why are we believing in it if this is a loophole? Now, it's a fictional loophole. Yes, 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 I know, again. But then you come back to it. And it's one of those things where if you're watching this film and you realize that you're watching this film and you're you're watching it to find fault in it, don't. Watch it to find where you are, wherever you are in your faith, your belief, whatever else. Because if you watch it to find fault, mm, you're not going to enjoy it for what it is. Well, I feel like this film is such a good show of Kevin Smith's work because I— it takes a very well-trained director to be able to effectively um, skip from funny to intelligent to dark to lighthearted. And that boardroom scene that you were talking about, that's that's a really dark scene. Oh. Well, and, there, are, and there are people killed and, and shot. Yeah, right. and, I, and, and it's a throwback to I, – I, I, I can't even say one of the, the darker uh, stories of the Bible, but uh, it's a, one of the lessons from the Bible because uh, I believe um, – Moses and his people are camped at the base of a mountain, and then Moses goes up to the mountain to speak to God. Um, but before he can get back, I think it's Aaron who um, his the the camp of people comes to him, and they say, "Hey, you know, we need a god to worship." And they basically melt down all this gold, and they do make a golden, golden calf. calf and they, right, have, yeah. they offer things to it. They um, they dance around it, and then, you know, Moses comes back down, wrath of God, etc. you know. So I think adding some darker illusions probably helped Kevin Smith out because if you think about all the death in the Bible, especially the Old Testament, which is probably reflected um, mostly in the end scene where Barlby's like dropping decapitated bodies <laughs> yeah, from no the sky, right. I, I think that's how Kevin Smith effectively uh, merges that comedy and balances it with basically something that could happen in Scripture is in Scripture, you know, so it's 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 natural. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I, I like his, the different ways that he kind of implements devices to to counter that balance, you know, like with the boardroom, they play some fun, lighthearted music in, in the bus uh, that was also a little disturbing. And Oh, and Bardo, the, well, with the couple in the back of the bus, yeah. yeah. Are yeah. you married? Yeah, yeah, I'm married, too. And it, are you married to her? <laughs> you know? Well, the reason, the reason yeah. that's dark, too, is because there's there might be a voice in your mind where you're thinking, oh, this guy's married and he's totally cheating on his wife. So then you think, did I, I don't want anybody to die personally, but I wanted something bad to happen to him. Right. So then there's this whole idea of maybe not necessarily justifiable homicide, but coming out that same year was Boondock Saints, which kind of started this resurgence of you know vigilante heroes who are killing people that deserve to be killed you know like Dex- right. Dexter would be another example oh sure uh, sure sure the tv show so it kind of puts you um kind of makes you take a stance on i don't know but I, but in that, in that instance though did that guy in the bus really truly deserve to die did they both deserve what was handed down to him no I don't believe so. I think that, you know what, people are people, people make mistakes. Maybe it wasn't a mistake mistake. Maybe his marriage was crap. Maybe he maybe his marriage was you know, maybe she was an abuser, maybe she was a drug user, maybe she 
maybe she was just a mean person flat out and he's with this other girl and and is truly happy for the first time ever however he's also well, a word I can't say on here right now, but they don't portray him as exactly the best person of the universe. No, no, right. So no, I no. think that's maybe you know said. He's too, a jag, uh, too, truly. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. He's uh, like a he's like a stock jerk. You know, there are plenty of those yeah, in a lot exactly. of action films. It's just like a guy who just wanders into the movie to pretty much be a gigantic. What I can't say again. Cannon fodder. You know? Yeah, he's he's just there to add to the body count and be like, yeah, he got his comeuppance. Yeah, but, and, and you can tell how we're meant to feel about this guy but based actually, on how he's portrayed. Stu does make a good point because if you think a little bit more deeply about it, you know, it just goes back into the movie and uh, questioning, you know, religion or faith, whatever you want to call it, because you think to yourself, especially when um, the judgment that, Loki and Bartleby do like when it escalates to the end you think to yourself well what did all of these people do you know you don't even get to hear what they did those people probably did absolutely nothing other than they were there at that particular time and Bartleby needed an example he could find you can find fault in anyone you look close enough into somebody's soul you can find fault in anyone which means we're all guilty we're all ready for this judgment that he and loki particularly are going to pass down the difference is at the end loki realizes oh wait we're going way too far with this and bartleby just goes off the rails he goes off the rails and is killing yes he's killing quote-unquote sinners but he's killing sinners for things that if they had just, well, again, if they had just knelt down and asked forgiveness, all would have been good, you mm-hmm. know. But no, Bartleby wanted to be killed. Bartleby wanted to be admitted back into heaven. He was going to do everything in his power to get the attention of his God and what a horrifying prospect that is. What an absolutely horrifying prospect that is. Mm-hmm. To have something so powerful be able to just wantonly just, I mean, ugh. ugh. So I want to do uh, play a scene here real quick. This is my favorite, right. favorite scene from the movie, but uh, the parking garage scene. Look, man, there is more to this than we thought about. It was close. You know how I felt? Righteous. Justified. Eager, even. You all right, man? Your eyes are kind of... My eyes are open. For the first time, I get it. When that little innocent girl let her mission slip, I had an epiphany. See, in the beginning, it was just us and him. Angels and God. Uh-huh. Then he created humans. These humans have besmirched everything he's bestowed upon them. They were given paradise. They threw it away. They were given this planet. They destroyed it. They were favored best among all his endeavors. And some of them don't even believe he exists. That's interesting. I I find that to be an absolutely fascinating, fascinating scene because not long after that, Loki points out to Bartleby, you're starting to sound like somebody else. Yeah, right? You're starting to sound like the Morning Star, you know, the fallen one, good old Lucifer himself, you know? 
Well, they do such an excellent job of isolating each character, and each character gets to plead their case, and they make it almost justifiable to the point that Kevin Smith is drawing a line and saying, well, what do you think? Do you agree? Do you think that humans are these despicable species? Do you think that they deserve, you know, Bartleby and Loki deserve another chance to get back in? Like Alan Rickman's character, who's well, he shows up as a with, column of flame to Beth, and right. she's still saying, "What's going on here?" Like she pretty much extinguishes him as a column of flame, and then he's, <laughs> no, he's she... staying there, and she's like, "Oh, what's going on?" And she's he... like, "How do I?" She's like, "How do I really know that you know you're the voice of God? Why doesn't God speak to me directly?" Well, if God speaks to you directly, you're your going head to will die. explode, right? Yeah. You're exactly. going to die. And I think that anybody who's forced to fa- forced to serve an all powerful being, as God is portrayed. It's going to be – if you're a servant, you're still a servant, and there's bitterness in serving if you have no free will. And the whole point that Bartleby is making there is that humanity has been given free will, and what have we done with it? We 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 enslave each other. We kill each other. We fight each other over some of the most ignorant things ever, and yet we have choice. Rufus? was Jesus's buddy apparently he knows but Bartleby and Loki they just want to go quote unquote home and the only way to get there is to become human and that's where the whole end end game of this comes down you know god i keep saying mythology the mythology of the angel losing their wings making their making them human or mortal if you will is something that's been handed down for generations. And the only way for them to go home to die, in essence, and go back to heaven, not necessarily an angelic form, but to go back to heaven, is for them to become mortal. So what do they do? They become mortal. They lose their wings. They're shot off. They're removed. Another thing, too, that I think this movie does a really great job at doing is showing that... um, these beings that aren't humans, whether they're angels or something else like Azrael, paid for their decisions because you learn later in the movie Azrael, who's trying to help the uh, you know whole collapse of existence come about, that he was once a muse himself. And oh, the reason yeah. that he was sent to hell was because he really didn't pick a side in uh, the in war the between battle. Lucifer right. and God. And his his response was, well, I was just an artist. I'm gonna... his, his whole deal, though, though was and his bitterness is so understandable. I don't want to pick a side in this war between the two biggest bullies on the block. I want to stand back and wait and see what happens because, quite frankly, he had no say in the matter. He could have done nothing. And yet what happens? Because he picked, quote-unquote, the wrong side, ultimately, he ends up a demon. Well, that's just the, you know, the the quote-unquote evil equivalent of the angels. I mean, right? At least he has hockey minions. The hockey I minions the hockey crack minions. me up. Yeah. I mean, they're wonderful. Especially the um the the kid with the long red hair who always had that scowl on his face. Oh, it's just geez, like yeah. he, was he Creepy like bags under man, his eyes. He, yeah. was, he was probably in one of the eighteen Children of the Corn movies. Oh, gotta yeah. be. Yeah, no kidding. I really yeah. like that he used hockey sticks. It's almost to resemble sickles or yeah, size, well, not just that. Know. I mean, but that's that's Kevin Smith though. Well, I mean, yeah, you I mean, know, I mean, his obsession with that. Hockey. Yeah. So, but I really like as far as the production goes. You know, this was ninety nine, so this was well after the birth of CGI, and a fair amount was used in the movie, but. They were. I really appreciated his restraint with the CGI 
and not going overboard. You know, this was after Matrix, this was after Titanic, and this is after Kevin Smith had, you know, made a name for himself. So it would almost be tempting. I mean, I guess that was the whole reason he waited so long to make this movie was because he wanted himself to be a, a better director. He wanted to have a better um, He could have completely formula. sold out. He could have completely sold out on this film, and I really don't think he did. I, I, I think this is one of those films where I could go back and watch it over and over again and be infinitely entertained. Oh, yeah, he could have because... made it a lot darker. He could have made it a lot more lighthearted, and it was just he struck such a good balance. Oh, he could have just made it fart balance. jokes and used uh, religion and spirituality as an excuse to call it dogma, and it could have been just loosely based on you know thrown-together things, but you can tell by the character development and you can tell by the different uh intricate plot points that he wasn't half-assing this that he actually spent time on it and he probably didn't care what hollywood studios thought because this definitely isn't a hollywood studio movie i mean no, there, right, he's right. not looking no. to please anybody with this film he <laughs> takes so many risks well, and they, they they do a good job also of explaining things in such a way that if you've never been to church, you've never even heard of God, you can still appreciate the movie. You can find your own reasons to enjoy it. But for the people who do have some uh, religious connections, like Stu talked about and like I talked about, it kind of takes on, on new meaning. And it's not a life changer of a movie, but it certainly, um, I think, has a lot more heart and a lot more um, just gives you more to think about than any other Kevin Smith and, film. and there it is if it didn't make you think if this film didn't make you just say hmm that's interesting what if then then you miss the point of the film I think because it, this whole film it, it it's not it's not just to 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 bash one belief or the other it's 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 to make you look at what you do believe and say what if and and to 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 really ask you to to step beyond just blind faith and to to think a little bit and along with that i i thought it to be abs- absolutely hilarious that god according to this, has an addiction to skee-ball. And is Alanis Morissette. Who is adorable at the end. This... No, it, that, and that was brilliant, too, that they didn't go with the, you know, six-and-a-half-foot-tall, bearded old guy. They went with... A small Canadian woman. A small Canadian woman. <laughs> right, the opposite who, of what you would expect. Right, yeah, absolutely. And I think that is wonderful, too, because that speaks towards Kevin Smith's... His belief in a deity, but not necessarily in a... Not necessarily a belief in a religious dogma, if you will, that, that fits somebody in a specific framework. If God is out there and exists in, in this film... God is whatever you perceive that God to be. Mm-hmm. And I think then at the end that makes perfect sense for this because God is this carefree handstand doing flower picking hippie really. Truly just <laughs> salt a of the hippie, earth salt yeah. of the earth hippie who yes at one point blows up Bartleby's head with her voice Which but is on really the cool. opposite <laughs> side meeps the why are know. we why are we here? Meep, meep. Yeah, just meeps. Beth gets meeps. Meep. It's Beth because she asks, "Why are we here?" Oh, and that's then right. God slash Alanis Morissette Meep. looks just looks at her and just yeah gives her a little little tap on the nose. The whole ending it was just perfect. They couldn't have ended it any other way. Yeah, could not have ended it any other way. So before we finish up Dogma, we're gonna pick next week's movie and we're gonna try a new formula. So in this. 
hat. I have 48 movie suggestions that we've come up with collectively. Movie roulette. This is movie roulette. Yeah, let's call it that. Because so, I, I know that uh, I pick some as just like, we should probably never do this movie. I may even hate doing it, but I'm just like, you know what? For the listening audience, why not? Again, I'm gonna. I would say we want to invite others to please. Yes, we would throw us throw us your throw us your movies. If yes. there's one out there that we haven't talked about yet, please throw it throw it to us. We'll do it. All right. So, so who's right. choosing? Well, uh, why don't you hold the bag and I'll close my eyes. And, all right. Uh, I'll yeah here. All right. Next week's movie is going to be we are doing the room. The room is one of mine. Uh, it's directed by Tommy Wiseau. <laughs> um, it is one of the worst films that's ever been made. Well, do you have anything else you'd like to say about Dogma? I think it's it's all pretty much been said. You know, it's a really solid film just because uh, at the ground level, you know, you have a lot of intricate plot points that get woven together. Uh, that doesn't generally happen with somebody who doesn't pay attention from the direction standpoint. So Kevin Smith did a really great job of weaving uh, different mythologies from Christianity to ancient Greek, um, just weaving them all together in a really nice uh, a tapestry, uh, which I, nice maybe isn't the word. Enjoyable might be more of a word because it's not always a nice film. I mean, the film makes you confront your own beliefs. It also is uh, a little bit of a redemption story, too, with Beth. And I think that's the core of this film is that even if you don't necessarily believe, whether it's in a god or anything else, if you believe in yourself, I know this is going to make it sound like Rocky, you can do great things, etc., etc. No, I, I agree with everything Ben has said, definitely. But when I watched this, I thought it was absolutely irreverent and wonderful. And it, I watched it at a time when I was going through what could be called a crisis of faith. But what it really boiled down to is it crystallized what I do and I don't believe. And I and, and it, it that wasn't it wasn't the cause of the crystallization of, of, of my lack of beliefs, if you will. But it really did solidify that, hey, there's more than one story out there that you can believe in. And therefore, which one is the correct one? And just this is as, just as a side note, just to throw this out there, Dogma is great. I would watch it again and again and again just because it makes me laugh. Uh, yeah, well, I agree with everything. Dogma is a film that you can take as seriously or as lighthearted as you want. Um, the only consistent attitude in the film is this kind of mockery against organized religion. But other than that, you don't really you don't watch this movie and walk away from it thinking, well, now I know how Kevin Smith feels. Because it doesn't really, um, I guess, take a certain side. It, it it takes several sides. But great movie. Manages to stay playful. Fun to watch. Sometimes the greatest truths are found in satire and oh, comedy. Indeed. Like going oh, back to yeah. well, going back to like Voltaire, you know, in the yes, 1700s. Absolutely. Sometimes comedians are the ones who are the most truthful. And they make people laugh at things that would otherwise be, you know, morbid or depressing. Which this movie would be considered blasphemous oh, by well, for many, many people. people. Yeah. yeah, I like their little jabs at humanity and comments on society. And Anyway, so if you want to get a hold of us, you can find us at the Movie Show Theater Facebook page or listen to all of our past podcasts at movieshowtheater.com. And come back next week because we're going to talk about... 
the room. <laughs> so, in, so until next Tuesday, I'm Jimmy Malone. I'm Stuart Randolph. I'm Ben Snowden. And this is Movie Show. See you, asshole.